This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I interviewed Charmaine, who is a gestational surrogate, and she gave birth to baby James for his parents in 2017. Charmaine is well known within the community for her support of other intended parents and surrogates. She's also famous for providing cupcakes at every milestone. But as you'll hear from her story, not everything about her journey was sunshine and unicorns. I'm going to hand over now to Charmaine. My name is Charmaine and I'm a gestational surrogate from Brisbane and Queensland. So I've always wanted to be a surrogate, um, basically since the age of 14, 15. And I always thought it was illegal, it was just done on soap operas or overseas. And then back in September 2013, I was at Whitewater World watching my children. And I thought, it's a shame that not everyone can have this joy. So I decided to write on a local mummy's page and ask if surrogacy was legal here in Australia. And someone told me it was. So they referred me to the Australian Surrogacy Community page, which is where I did my first intro. And then after I did my first intro, I started talking to a lovely intended mother who was also based in Queensland. We met up in person in October um, 2013. And as soon as I got in the car with my husband, we discussed it and we both agreed that we liked these IPs and that we wanted to carry for them. So we offered quite fast. And we actually went from offer to transfer within a month. So it was really, really fast. My intended mum was very proactive, got it done. Um, we used Katrina Hale for that, so it was a bit easier with Skype. So, um, so yeah, we had our first transfer, and I, I kind of went in there a bit blasé about it because I thought, well, I'm fertile, it's going to happen. I didn't really think about it not happening. So when that first transfer didn't work, I was kind of um, shocked and didn't really know what to think. Like, it was just, it hit me like a ton of bricks, like, why didn't it happen? Mm-hmm. Um And then, you know, we were reminded it's not my DNA and I'm fertile with my own DNA, obviously. So then we had um, another transfer. We had a double transfer, actually. And um, one of those embryos took. We got to eight weeks, went for a scan and there was no heartbeat. So Mm. unfortunately, we went and had a DNC. Um, Then we had another transfer that didn't work. And then we had another transfer that worked, but sadly in August 2014, we found out there was something wrong with the baby and the baby wouldn't survive, so we had to terminate the pregnancy. I was very lucky that even though everything was quite fast from me joining the page to offering to transfer, um, my intended mum was very supportive and amazing and she was my strength. She was really, really, I was very lucky with her. Very, very lucky. Um, And we had that hard discussion of where do we go now because there's no embryos left. Um, And unfortunately, in December 2014, she messaged to say that they couldn't carry on because they just couldn't afford to make more embryos. So Mm. I'm still friends with the intended mum, and she's a lovely lady. Um, But, yeah, it 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 was really hard to say goodbye and know that we didn't get the happy ending that you all go into this for so and um after a little while i decided to um go back on the page because i was stubborn and i hadn't finished what i wanted to do 
and um, did another introduction. So that's when I got onto my second journey. So I did an introduction and then um, another surrogate actually approached me and said that she had been, she knew of a nice couple of fertility connections, which I wasn't on, um, called Nicole and Cam. And so I just randomly sent Nicole a message on Facebook and um, the rest is history. We just started talking and we clicked and yeah, we took a little bit slower. Um, I didn't want to offer straight away because I didn't want to come across as really keen. <laughs> um, and then when we did offer, it took eight months from offer to first transfer because, because of my history with my first IPs, um, it was with a different clinic. And they sent me for every test under the sun, um, which all came back fine. And then we finally got to have our first transfer. So. Wow. How many transfers did you have? With Nicole and Cam? Yeah. Um, we, had, we had four in total. Mm-hmm. The first one took, which we couldn't believe our luck. We thought, wow, this is great. Um, and then we got to nine weeks and found out it was obliged over, which I'd never heard of. So... That would have been devastating. When we found out it was. And you're grieving for something that was never there, even though it was there. So it's it's really, yeah, it does crazy things to your mind. <laughs> then we had, um, I had a DNC. Uh, well, we, we did a natural miscarriage first because I'd already had two DNCs previously and we didn't want to do too much damage. So we did a natural miscarriage, which I've never had before. And... Um, it actually really scared me when we had it. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be how it was. And I messaged Nicole and said I was a bit worried. So her and Cam actually turned up at my house and took me to the hospital, which to me showed a lot that they both came because mm-hmm. with my first independent parents, only the intended mum came to anything, everything. So... When Nicole and Cam both turned up at my door, it kind of, it meant a lot. Like, to them it was just, this is how we're doing it. But to me, it meant, it showed a lot to me. Mm. Um, So we went to the hospital and everything was okay. But um, it just, it wasn't what I was expecting. So it was a bit of a shock. And then we ended up having to have a DNC anyway because there was retained product apparently. So um, we had the DNC and then I actually aspirated really badly with that one and got admitted overnight. Um, yeah, apparently the, um, everyone in the theatre room were really worried for me and I was told I was very lucky I had the anaesthetist, not the anaesthetist, the, um, yeah, I think it was the anaesthetist um, that I did have because he stayed really calm and collected and got on with the job. Um, but everyone else was really panicked apparently, so that was a bit scary. Mm. Um, and then we did another transfer that didn't work. And then we did another transfer that didn't work. And then we didn't quite know what to do. So um, we decided that we were going to have a break and just concentrate on our friendship. And we went down to the Gold Coast, just um, my husband, myself, Nicole and Cam. And we had a lot of, we, you know, we talked about general stuff, but we also talked about where all of us want to go. Um, and I did actually offer to do a traditional surrogacy for them, mm-hmm. um, which Nicole was quite excited about, but Cam didn't feel 
um, comfortable with that, which obviously Nicole and I respected. And so then we decided that Nicole was actually going to do another egg pickup, but she got two day five hatching embryos, which we thought was great because the other ones weren't hatching. So we thought, we thought this was really, really good. Um, and they wanted to get them PGD tested, which they did. And unfortunately, we got the call to say that neither of them passed. Mm. And I remember that because I was at um, the shopping mall and Nicole called me. And as soon as she called me, I just had this horrible feeling in my stomach. I just knew something wasn't right. Um, and she told me the news and I came straight home. And I actually had my very first ever panic attack that night. And it was, it was really scary. Mm. The ambulance, I just, I didn't know what's happening to my body and I look back now and it's just because I didn't allow myself to grieve all those things that had happened before that um, and my body had just gone this is enough now I need to release all of this and um, yeah so that was really scary to put my body through that much and it, that was the icing on the cake really that just I think that really illustrates that the journey becomes the surrogate's journey as much as it is for the intended parents because we're in it to see them have a baby and if we don't get to see them have a baby, then our journey can be really traumatic as well. Yeah, I think, you know, us as surrogates, as much as we know it's not our fault, we still blame ourselves when things continuously go wrong. Um, and I did question myself a lot with the losses and the failed transfers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I just, all I wanted was for them to have a baby and it wasn't happening and it just took its toll and it was, yeah. So, yeah, I was really lucky with my support network. I had, obviously, my husband and my children and my mum. And then I had also Nicole and Cam, but also... I had Nicole's mum reach out to me a couple of times as well, which I thought was really nice. Mm. Um, and the surrogates page, I, I don't know what I would do without that page. Like, I think it's very important to have other surrogates that you can turn to, that you can um, bounce your feelings off and you can vent to. Um, and also have a strong connection with another set of IPs that aren't my IPs because sometimes I need to know how my IPs are coping without outright asking them, you know, asking for suge suggestions of things that I can do to help Nicole and Cam in the situations that we were in. Um, but I didn't want to have to ask Nicole and Cam. So I think, you know, you need that strong support network um, within your own family, but also in the surrogacy community and not just limit yourself to just your IPs. When we found out that neither of the embryos were able to be used, we decided to, as a team to use donor eggs. Um, but I had actually had a holiday planned for January in 2017. So we decided to wait until I was back for my holiday to do the transfer. So we had a few months up our sleeves just to put everything behind us and just concentrate on ourselves and... We did a few catch-ups together and, yeah, just enjoyed each other's company instead of having pressure on ourselves. Mm. And then so they were able to get some embryos through the egg donation process? Yes. So we had transfer um, in February and it took. 
So um, I'd already prepared. Yeah, I'd already prepared how I was going to tell Nicole and Cam. People that might know us through the community knows we do cupcakes at Milestones. So I got a cake made that had the letters BFP in it. And um, I just randomly drove over to Nicole and Cam's in a big storm and um, knocked on their door with the cake and said I was there to celebrate the halfway through the two-week wait. They didn't know I'd been testing. And um, as soon as they cut it open, Nicole knew what it meant, but Cam didn't. <laughs> it was like BFP. And Nicole, yeah, Nicole knew straight away. So, yeah, that was just an amazing moment to finally get to that stage. We were, we were obviously cautious because we'd gone to that stage before. Um, but we actually went into this transfer so blasé and so what will be what will, will be. And um, we kind of did the same with when we got the positive. We were like, we want to enjoy this moment. We, this is going to be the last time we do this. Um, we want to be able to enjoy every moment, and we did. And um, seeing that heartbeat on the first scan was, yeah, amazing. Amazing. So um, that was baby James. Um, how old is baby James yeah. now? He's just over eight months now. So wow. we just had the anniversary of the um, same amount of time with each of us, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what was the pregnancy like as a surrogate? So I went into it saying that I'd only, you know, if I go into labour Friday because I have Fridays off and then I could have the weekend to recover and then I'd go back to work on the Monday. Um, and then about week five or week six, I was like, yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> I'm a lot older now because um, my youngest is nine, turning 10 in July. Um, so it was a bit more of a strain on my body and working as well. I was tired, but I was very lucky. Other than James flipping around every day um, and heartburn, I didn't have any complaints. It was an easy pregnancy. So. Well, it sounds like my pregnancy with Darcy, who flipped around and I had lots of heartburn. <laughs> yeah. No, we just say it's because it was a white baby. <laughs> <laughs> we should clarify it's because your partner is actually dark-skinned, isn't he? Yeah, so I've got dark babies. So James was my first white baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was it like, those moments when you got to hand James to his mum and dad? Oh, the most amazing feel. Like, I just, I'm getting emotional just thinking of it. Like, I just, yeah, I just, looking back on the birth photos, I just love it. It's, it was worth every single bit of heartache to get to that point. It's, I'll do it over, I'll do it again in a heartbeat. Mm. Yeah. And so he's eight months now. What's it been like in the last eight months? What what challenges have you had in the postpartum time? Um, my first big obstacle was um, the day after James was born. So we wanted to stay in hospital for two nights. That was what we discussed at the um, counselling. Um, so... We went up to our ward at 11.30 at night. So obviously we went to our own rooms. And then um, the next day we spent all day together. But I only got um, maybe 10 minutes or so cuddle time that whole day. Um, and I went back to my room, which was right next door, and started expressing and I just burst into tears. And I kind of didn't know why I was crying. Um, and then 
I just cried myself to sleep. And the next morning, Nicole came in and asked how I was going. And because we've got an open communication, we're just honest with each other. I said, look, I, I was crying last night. Um, and she said, I should have gone and got her. I said, no, it's something I just needed to do myself. I needed to get it out. And I said, I came to the realization that I was crying because I didn't have enough time holding James because I needed that contact with him. I could see him there, but I needed that contact. And um, I didn't ask to hold James because I didn't want to take the time away from his parents. Um, and then, you know, Nicole and Cam probably didn't want to ask me because they didn't know if I wanted to hold him. And it's just that whole balancing act between each party of each other's roles. Mm. Um, and after that conversation, we had a great day and we both had lots of cuddles that day and it just felt a lot more natural and we just, we felt comfortable saying to each other what each of us needed. And after that, it was a lot easier. Mm. So, um, and I, I have had ups and downs in the last eight months post that as well. Like I didn't think I would still miss him to the degree that I miss him now eight months post birth. I thought it would have only been the first couple of months that I would have missed him. Um, but I do still have days where I need to see him or even just see a photo of him. I need to, you know, I, I still need that contact. And I'm very blessed that I do get that contact. I'm always welcome at their house and it's not just a one-sided friendship. They come and see me, I come and see them. We both arrange catch-ups. It's um, a mutual friendship and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's good, but it, it's different to what I was expecting it to be. I thought it would be... Um, I didn't think I'd have the feelings that I have. Mm. And do you feel like those feelings are primal? Like you don't have any control over them, that it's because you carried him that you feel like you miss him? I look at it that um, when my sister's babies were born, I miss him like my nephew. Like, I guess when they're younger, you want to see them more because they change so much and so fast. Um, you know, like I'll see James one week and then two weeks later he would have, learn something new and I am excited to see it. Um, so I look at him like my nephew and how I have my bond with my nephew and niece. Um, I've never seen him as mine or anything like that. Um, it's just, yeah, it's hard to explain, but. No, I completely understand. Um, so where to from here? Um, well, the moment James was born, I was like, I can do this again. <laughs> and, I always knew I wanted to go more than once. Obviously, this is my third time, but we only got the one baby. Um, and I've got an amazing supportive husband. And he was always, he always knew I wanted to go more than once. And he was open to the idea, but wasn't set on it. We went to go look at our birth photos. And the moment we got in the car, he just said, so when are you talking to Paula and Dion? Mm -hmm. So it was like, those birth photos were worth, worth their weight in gold. Like they were the deciding factor for Darren because he could see what we had achieved as a team. Um, and yeah, so I'm going again. It's amazing. You, you never stop. Yeah, you're incredible. Do you have any advice for a woman that's thinking the same as you, that she could give that gift of a baby to somebody else? Where should she start and what should she think about before she goes ahead? Join the pages, obviously, and ask lots of questions. Um, don't jump in. I mean, as I said, I had a 
great first journey with my first IPs and it was very fast moving, but that's not always the case and I wouldn't recommend it. I just think asking lots of questions and getting that support network around you as well is very important. Tell me about your relationship with Nicole and Cam. Um, my relationship with Nicole and Cam is very close. Obviously, we've been through a lot together and um, they've always had my back no matter what. There was one incident um, before we got approved to go ahead with surrogacy where the clinic actually rang me while I was in Melbourne and said that they didn't think I'd be a suitable surrogate for Nicole and Cam. So obviously I was heartbroken at that. Um, and I got off the phone and Nicole called me and she said that, no, we're in this together. We'll fight it. Um, we'll do whatever we need to do. And I knew they were fighting for me because they had actually um, turned a surrogate down before me. So I knew they weren't in it just for a uterus. They were in it for the right reasons. So when they said that they would fight for me, that made me realize they wanted me, not just my uterus. Um, and we, we always wanted to have it that surrogacy was just something that was a part of us, not the whole, it didn't consume us. It was, um, we wanted to make sure that we had a friendship outside of surrogacy. Um, my husband and uh, Cam actually go out on um, bro dates all the time um, during the journey. So they would have time that my husband can actually get out and about. He's got a better social life now than before surrogacy. Um, and that's one of the things that I wanted to make sure post James that we didn't lose that. Like, obviously we all love James, but I wanted to make sure our friendship stayed the same as well. Um, so I've actually caught up with Nicole outside without James after the journey. Um, where we just go off and just have time for us as well. So that was important to mm. make sure that we've still got our friendship and we still communicate. And and how did you find it, given that Nicole and Cam now have a baby to look after, did your relationship shift a lot after baby James was born? It did, but it's just our new normal. Like, um, we used to message every day, but now sometimes we'll message every day and then sometimes we might not message for two or three days and that's fine. We still catch up probably just the same as what we did when I was pregnant or before I got pregnant. Um, I think, if anything, we've gotten stronger since James has arrived. It's just a different kind of, yeah, it's just, it's different, but it's, I love, I love the way it is, so. Mm, that's lovely. So with Kiwi's page, before I put any photos up of James, I will always ask, Nicole and Cam before I post it because I, you know, he's not my baby and I want to make sure that they're comfortable with me putting the photo up. And I remember I said to Nicole one day, is it okay for me to put this photo up of James? And she said, we will never say no to you. And I said, no, you need to be able to say no if you don't want to do something because you don't owe me um, anything. And she said, no, we do owe you. And I, and I said to her, no, you don't. I said, we're even now because you allow me to be a part of James's life. So, you know, you guys don't have to let me be a part of James's life. And you've allowed me into your guys' family to see James grow up and to see you guys be parents. So to me, we're even. So don't feel 
you ever have to say yes, even though you actually don't want to, because I won't be offended by it. I think sometimes IPs might feel that they can't say no, but on the flip side, us surrogates sometimes feel when you say yes, that you're only saying it because you feel you have to. And that makes us feel a bit uneasy. So I actually like it if Nicole says no to some things, because then I know that she feels comfortable doing so. So I think that's really valuable to hear actually, because I suspect, like you say, lots of intended parents feel like they can never say no and they have to sort of bow to every whim of their surrogate. And surrogates, meanwhile, are worrying that the relationship is just based on them being their surrogate and don't feel like they can um, be flawed and have somebody say no to them because, yeah, they've given somebody a, a baby. But that's actually not what... We don't want them to feel uncomfortable about saying no or, yeah, being true to themselves. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Charmaine Tell Her Story. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook or on Instagram or at sarahjefford.com.